welcome once again to Let's the Jays. Another week of Blue Jays baseball is behind us. Another uh, exciting week. I, I'm in a great, I don't know about you, Jake. I'm in a, I'm in a great place uh, with this team right now. I think they're oh, me too. amazing. I think uh, this week's going to be a, uh, for people who've been with us for however many weeks we've been doing this. I don't know. Uh, this is going to be a nice, uh, optimistic take week, I think. This is the seventh full episode, Jake, if it helps you at all. Wow. That's crazy. Well, this will be the week where I'm not pouring a bucket of water on the hype train. I I'm feel... All, uh, I'm all aboard. Choo-choo. I feel super excited. and Not, not yeah, that there too. aren't causes for concern, but I will say... Um, like some of this stuff, it, the causes for concern almost make me excited because like you look like Bo Bichette, for example, not playing particularly well. Vladdy's been good, but hasn't like carried them. And they're still winning ball games. They're winning close games. Yeah. Um, they're winning without their best stuff. They're winning when games when they don't look great. They're playing good defense. Uh, it, it feels like there is still tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of room for the offense to grow. The pitching has been as good as you would want it to be. The guys who were very good have been very good, and the guys who are a little bit questioned on have been a little bit questionable. But all in all, things are falling into place, and this team is way above. Uh, not way above, but they're above 500, and they're above expectation, and I think on the road to hitting to be the exact team that we've expected them to be, which is 98, 99, 100 wins. I think that's the team we're looking at. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm optimistic for a bunch of reasons, and I'm sure we'll get into the the nitty gritties of these as we go along. But uh, I feel good because we, I guess for the last like two years now, two seasons now, uh, or season and a half, however you want to count the fake season, uh, we talked a lot about how, you know, the first two months of baseball, not that they're meaningless because they're not, but like standings watching at this time of year is kind of a fruitless gesture because... We've seen many Jays teams start very cold and then get hot, and the opposite as well. Uh, we saw it last year, even. Uh, and I am encouraged by the fact that, not to go, you know, standings watching after 15 games, but as you say, the fact that they are clearly not playing to full potential, the roster isn't at full potential because half the guys are hurt, uh, and yet they haven't lost a series yet. And they're in first place. And I think it's pretty clear both from the talent on the roster and, you know, prospective ads come July and August that, like, they're only going to go up, which is good. And the other reason I've caused concern, and I know we'll get into this later, is I believe that the AL East is actually bad. Yeah, it seems like there's some bad teams involved in the mix. Uh, like I don't, I don't think the Red Sox and Yankees are good. I certainly don't think the Red Sox are good. I think they're they're more more so than the Yankees, who seem to even on their worst year win eighty five games. To sort of to sort of what they do. The Red Sox are prone to either finishing fifth or finishing first. They're, they're, that's sort of been the recent history of of that team. And I agree with you that they have some real identifiable issues and flaws. Not that anybody doesn't, but I'm with you that I don't think that's as much of a competition of a team as we have seen as recently as the previous year. And I must say, Jake, before we go off topic for a little bit, um, I must say, and, and you know me and I know you, and we are not uh, thumpers of this drum, all that heavily, but I have to admit, Charlie Montoya's had himself a pretty good year so far. Yeah, 
I, every time he's done something that I'm like, well, that's insane. It seems to be working. Like, got, got, got a little more fuck you in the attitude, yelling at yeah. vampires, telling people nobody gives a shit about us. Good vibes inside. I like that. I think, you know, we, we've talked about this briefly before about how whatever you think of his, you know, maybe inning to inning management, let's call it. He's clearly a guy that knows how to get a clubhouse on his side, which in baseball is really like for the most part, I feel like really all you want from your manager because it's baseball. But I am impressed by the fact that now that the Blue Jays as a franchise are getting serious, Charlie seems to have, uh, I'm not going to, you know, he's not Gibby or anything, but he's, he definitely seems to be more locked in to what the role demands of him for a good team. And even things like, you know, I know the internet got really mad that like Tapia was leading off or that Collins was hitting cleanup and... You know, I don't want that every day, obviously, but for the most part, uh, put it this way, the, the Jays have not lost a game because of Charlie yet. Yeah, bullpen's been managed saying. pretty excellently, I would say. Yep. Um, and yeah, to your point, listen, the Tapia leadoffs, the Collins cleanups, it would be great to live in MLB The Show universe where you just you plop out your best guys in the best order every single day. But people need rest. Guys need rest. You have road trips to account for. You have getting on the plane to account for. You're, you're talking about a guy who is uh, using his fourth catcher at times. I don't think they planned. They certainly didn't plan on starting Raimel Tapia at the top of the lineup and starting around right field every single day. Like that was not part of the reason he was acquired. So I got to give due to the, you know, I, I think he's been when he's been quick on the hook, it's been about right. He hasn't left anybody in there to wear anything. Um, I loved what he did with with Gosman going the eight and getting the mm -hmm. first out of the ninth. I thought, um, I mean, they're boy, they're using Romano a ton, but that's because they've been winning close games. Um, so, yeah, I'm just a, just a quick tip, a doff of the old chapeau to uh, to Charlie, as you said, uh, seriously up a little bit, whether it's again, it's not full Gibby, but he is sort of I do sort of like that he's shepherded them along to the point of now where it's like, OK, you're not going to screw us like you're, you can. Yeah. You're not going to screw us over with calls. We're we're gonna we're gonna get uh, some words in edgewise. So, I do appreciate that and and, and think you know some do. We we're we're harsh when we feel like being harsh. We went similarly with the front office, right? We were hard on them and then they did things we liked. And we we're like, I like them. Um, I think Charlie in a year we talked before the season where it was a year where the first time he ever he ever really could have pressure on him. I think he's responded very well, and I wanted to get that out of the way before we get into any player or game specifics. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think you have to be looking to be mad at Charlie. So far which we do year. sometimes. Absolutely, because it's fun. Uh, Jake. All that being said, we're going to get back to baseball in just a minute. A question on my mind: uh, How's your week? How's your wife? Uh, week and wife are good. Uh, we are both uh, now through the COVID woods. Easy. Uh, both both testing negative as of end of last, or I guess like Thursday, Friday ish last week. Uh, so back to back to normal health. Um, yeah, had a nice weekend. Went to Canada's Wonderland on Saturday, which uh, my legs are still very tired from. Um, it's a lot of walking. My mm -hmm. God, it's a lot of walking. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was great fun. Had a nice time. Uh, Cassie then went uh, with our friend Melissa to a baby shower on on Sunday. As I sat home and ate food, uh, which is things I like to do. Went to a concert last night. Yeah, it was a nice, nice weekend. Things are... I will say this. 
I know this is kind of a hot take, but I definitely prefer not having COVID to sure. having COVID. Gutsy. That's it's gutsy of you to admit in public. That's what I've discovered. I can edit uh, that out if you want. No, it's. I think it's okay. I think the people can... It's important to leave it in. <laughs> I'm okay with them hearing that. But uh, I had a much better weekend this weekend uh, not having COVID than I did the weekend before when I had COVID. Maybe this can be a new running thing we do every week where you can come on and uh, be tired from having fun. And I, and I, can, I can be like, oh, was it, was it too much fun at Canada's Wonderland? And now it's you're, funny, now it's you're funny you say tired. That. I, I was actually thinking this afternoon when we were prepping the show how last week I felt that you stole my COVID thunder sure. by having a baby. And this week I was like, well, I can't go on Sure and be like, man, I'm tired. Like you taken can't you can't say to a father of like a week and be like, boy, real tired because I did a bunch of stuff. This well, sure. Because like a a yeah a you know you didn't do that stuff. You have a baby, and also there's just no way I'm as tired. I'm as tired as you are. Okay, so I will answer with a yes, but um, yes, I, I suppose you, you you have every right to feel that way. But like you know, what do you think I want for everybody else while I'm while I'm you know I want no, you guys course. to just sit at home and like not have fun. I'm, I'm thrilled you guys went out to Candace Wonderland, enjoyed the fruits of a, what was a beautiful weekend. Oh my goodness, great weekend for standing outside and just looking around, um, which is all I like to do. So no, I don't. And and uh, an extra caveat is like it's not like I'm a 24 year old father right and it's like right. oh my god we're, i'm missing the bar weekend it's like i'm less like worried about sort of like uh, i guess for lack of a better term rubbing it in i am no, more no. Wor not worried but i i do feel like i can't come on and be like man i'm tired because i know that you're tired and you're right but probably you're, uh, more tired yeah. than me but i'm an adult dad and you're a, you're like a you're not an old man, but like it, you're not 24 coming back from no, Camp I Wonderland mean, and being like, oh, it was gnarly. I'm tired. It's like you'll we're, never. We were talking about. We we're actually talking about that. Anymore. The last the last time I went to Camp Wonderland was like six or seven years ago. Yeah, uh, and we were kind of saying how when we went six seven years ago, we were like, oh man, I can't wait to do this again next year. That was great. And the car home. On Saturday, we were all like, "Well, I guess we can do that again in like four years." <laughs> yeah, when 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 Mel's kid wants to go, then yeah, you have a reason yeah, exactly. to go back. Exactly correct. Uh, uh, but it's fun. Awesome. I, it's one of those things that because I haven't been in so long, I forget how much I enjoy roller coasters, mm. and it builds up that like roller coaster anxiety. And then mm -hmm. you go on like the first one, and you're like, "All oh, right, this this rules." The new coaster there is. Actually, I don't know how new it is. It's new since I was last there. It's outstanding. I'm, see, I'm not uh, really a roller coaster guy. I'm sure you know roller, people who aren't roller coaster guys. In yeah, your life. I, you don't strike me as a roller coaster guy. I don't mean that as, as any as anything. You just don't strike me as a, as yeah. a roller coaster guy. And I did, I did relent in college. So I was never a roller coaster guy. Even when I was a kid, I didn't like them either. I didn't like going to the fair ones at the, at the county fair that would come to Hanover, and I didn't like going to Kansas Wonderland. Um, but I sort of when I was when I was 20 uh some pals and i for spring break in in college drove to florida and, and had, did did like a florida week um and we went to universal studios and i was like you know what i'm just gonna suck it up for the week and just be like <laughs> not not drag anybody down not loaf just go on the roller coasters and 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 survive it and i had i ended up having a, a decently good time they had like 
the, the Incredible Hulk was the one where I was like, all right, if I'm doing the Incredible Hulk, everything else is going to be pretty simple. So I did it first and it, it was the right thing to do because it's one of those yeah. ones where like you yeah, get yeah. in and it's there's no climb. It's not like a tick, 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 tick. You get in and they're like, oh, you're immediately going uh, 100 kilometers an hour. I didn't sort of needed that sort of that things. Then you have the Harry Potter ones and all that stuff. But after I did that, I also came away from it like not um, jonesing to go to Canada's Wonderland and be like, oh, how do I compare this? And I luckily, Jake, I've married another also probably not a surprise. I've married another not a roller coaster person. So unless our kid is a roller coaster kid, which it could be, uh, I don't see either of us going on roller coasters for quite some time. Yeah, no surprise that my wife on a roller coaster as it's tick, tick, ticking up and everyone is sort of gearing themselves up. My wife is just cackling. That's what I said. Yeah. So that was that was nice. Seemingly seemingly gaining energy from the nervousness of other people. Yeah. Like, yes. A hundred percent correct. Yeah. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Oh, boy. Uh, Not a lot going on in this end, Jake. I'm not going to lie to you. It's sort of um, other than, of course, I cannot believe today is Monday. That's shocking to me. It's shocking to me that you you put out the tweet, hey, it's show day. And I was like, it's show day? I was like, it's Thursday. I thought it was Thursday of last week. Um, The the reveal from this week, obviously, when he first showed up, it was all about him. And it is still all about him. But this week, uh, the second week sort of for me has been a lot more... Um, about Melissa, about my wife, just sort right. of like um, you talk about a sacrifice that you're making physically and mentally. It's uh, startling, a- and the demands on her of her on a on a again hourly basis. That's that's just the feeding that is the the 35 to 50 minutes, and then like the settling him and dressing him, and, and you're trying to help. But there's also certain things that only she can do because she has it's literally her body and the the choices that you have to make and the um, pressure that you're under in these situations that you're in when you're making those choices and feeling that pressure uh, is truly, 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 truly unbelievable until I think you're faced with it. And then I think, um, you know, the the revelation, you know, new mothers have to do a lot of work. It's not obviously surprised anyone, but I feel <laughs> like and I hate you hate week. I hate week. Week, you know, week two, 10 days in to use my until you are submerged in it. It's really hard to explain, but it really, truly is like crazy to me. Um, All of this that that is suddenly foist upon her um, and handling it uh, incredibly. And just we're just trying to continue to uh, breathe. And the one piece of advice that everybody has has been like, believe us that it does enter into a new phase and like this haze will be a different kind of haze but it's not always going to be like every two hours you have to do this and your life is like on a wire the whole time um it's it's wild to be in it and i just want to take some time to sort of step back as i as i'm out on the way in the basement (laughs) hiding from all this (laughs) to be like uh how incredible it is uh all right well jake we got lots of baseball to talk about and that's what people are here to do is to hear us talk about baseball although i don't don't even know if that's true i think people here might might be here to hear us talk about at at this point it could be anything yeah. Baseball talk is not that good. I mean, what do you guys want us to talk about? Tell us. <laughs> Tell us what you want to hear. And we'll, People want to hear about the baby. It. It's the easiest cloud I've ever had in my That's life. That's true. That's true. I mean, why wouldn't they want to hear? You know what I mean? Not since the early days of the puppy has there been uh, <laughs> easier likes out there. Um, yeah. But there is baseball to talk about. And a, good, a very good team playing very good baseball that I'm very excited about. So we're going to do that. Talk about the Blue Jays. The 10-6 and 6 Toronto Blue Jays ahead of tonight's game against the Boston Red Sox. The 10-game homestand, the Blue Jays begin tonight on the other side.
as I mentioned, the Blue Jays, your Toronto Blue Jays, 10 and 6, uh, wins last week uh, in Texas against the Houston Astros, 2 of 3, narrowly uh, losing the finale on Sunday on a walk-off, and 2 of 3, if I'm not mistaken, against Boston. Um, a bunch of feel-good stuff in here, a lot of things to like. Uh, you know, the even the even the joke things to like end up being big things to like. You're like, oh, we're going to be really in on Zach Collins. It's like, well, <laughs> all of Zach Collins home runs are going to be huge ones. It turns out it's he's only going to be the most clutch situations. Rymel Tapia, um, after a little bit of a shoveling down in the first week, has bounced back and, and sort of just sort of shown that, like, he's a different kind of guy and you have to get what you may expect from him out of your mind and, and accept that, you know, he's going to be a first to third guy and he's going to get on base when he can and 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 always be, as I said before, um, about a base ahead of where you expect him to be on the base paths. Uh, and Santiago Espinal is the second baseman. There's no more question about that. Holy cow. Um, lots to lots to like. Jake, what stood out to you sort of first and foremost throughout the week as you come into here, in your own words, uh, ready for some very positive takes? I mean, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase it. But I think the word I keep going to is reliability, but that's not really what I mean. Just mm. there, it's just like a total faith in everything being okay. Yeah, with the Blue Jays uh, going forward, I don't. It's way too early. I th- I think you know baseball is kind of a funny sport like that because the season is so long, and because really like. Nothing fully matters till like July. Uh, I mean, obviously it does, but like it kind of doesn't. Uh, it's it's different from the other sports where like you know the first ten games. Obviously, like the number of games plays into this, but pick your percentage, whatever you want to call it, of like a basketball or a hockey season. You're kind of like oh, okay, I kind of see how this is going to develop. I can sort of start thinking ahead to you know deadline end of season. You can't really do that with baseball. Right. Um, And I think the fact that at least for the next, whatever, month, two months, three months, until we get into that, like, now it's time for action to actually figure out who is what in this baseball season. uh, I just have no concerns, like, in terms, like, from the long-term prospects, Mm. which I don't remember ever having with a Blue Jays team, really. Like... Last year or, you know, 2015, it was, oh, they're 500, but the run differential is great. So they're going to figure it out. But maybe they won't. And then 2016 was, they started great and then they kind of fell apart for a bit before getting it together. The less said about 2017 through 2019, the better. And then, you know, 2020 was the fake season, kind of fun young team last year, like I said, was sort of struggling for the first half and obviously not playing in Toronto and all we all know the the well-worn narratives and everything and obviously of course everything pre-2015 with all the hopes or not and disaster teams or not uh but this year it just feels like you know I I feel like we're gonna see a lot of weeks like we just saw which I mean is in a good way they're gonna played most teams tight there it's going to be rare that they get blown out of a building uh you know obviously they're not going to win every game but i think we're going to see a lot of four and two weeks uh the next few months uh which is really all you can ask for the first half of baseball season and it, it feels nice just to sort of you know obviously barring 
disaster, which is always possible because it's baseball and that's sort of how it works. We they they certainly flirted with it with George Springer getting hit on the hand or arm the, uh, the on whatever that was on Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day. I freaked out uh, about that for sure. Yeah, me too. That felt like all the chickens coming home to roost <laughs> real quick, but they avoided it, thankfully. Uh, and yeah, I just think I just feel very confident in the core and sort of, you know, not to not to be a trust the process guy, but other than a guy here, a thing there, I just see no reason why they won't continue putting up for in two weeks. Hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think some well said things there. I think the the word maybe you were searching for in reliability is I feel a great sense of relief, even with, again, you know, people were maybe more upset about any, either of the losses this week than I was. I feel a great sense of relief that they're they are as good as we thought they were sort of coming into the year. And, yeah. and they, they haven't even again, we talked about off the top. They haven't even dominated. They haven't been out and out great. It's just. How many times have we seen, and I think this was part of the question that James and T.O. asked us uh, the other week about, you know, what do you think their record in one one run games will be? Historically, even the great versions of this team have been on the bad side of the one run games. That's how you look. You go through the baseball reference. Like there's a huge swath of years where they're pretty good and they dramatically underperform their Pythagorean because they they lose every one run game and they. Uh, they absolutely clobber teams when they win. It's nice to see, and obviously this is a not a trend. It's a it's a very quick thing in a very short time. But they're they're not giving away those close games. They're not um, you know you're not kicking yourself over and over again on these games. And they're also making their share of comebacks in games like when they're down five two or five one, and they're they're making a game of it and pushing it. Um, I think there's a ton of good signs. And and sort of to echo what I said off the top of the show, like. The fact that Bichette hasn't played very well is actually really positive to me in that. Like, yeah. you you absolutely know he's going to have 10 days where he picks up like 35 hits and drives in, two, you know, two dozen. And, and it just sort of is the way it works, the way that the way that Vlad's being approached right now, where teams just won't pitch to him. Uh, and he's still finding a way to impact games. It's really good. You know, the the, the little chip ins from from Collins, the, the, the you know, losing Jansen and, and not, not really knowing what to do with catcher, but still getting production out of that spot is really big. Espinal being a absolutely cut from the mold of a guy that is very popular in Toronto historically. Like he, it's it's perfect. <laughs> they did it again. Like, remember how popular Ryan Goins was in this town? He's yeah. like, it's it, this just happens Kevin every Pilar. time there's a good Jays Kevin team. Yeah. literally had giveaways based on him. Absolutely right. Um, I, think, I think a lot of the small pieces, a lot of the question marks, you know, when I set out the beginning of the year, I sort of try to build each month. I say, well, you know, what questions are we asking and what questions that we have answered? And the good thing is a lot of the questions from before the season, you you know, the, the first month questions are coming up really good. It, it was the f- questions coming out of camp was like, what's the second base rotation going to look like? And it's like it's pretty definitively solved already that it's Espinal. And, and maybe they upgrade to a great guy, but they're pretty happy with Espinal being a very good defender and and being a surprising bat at the bottom of the lineup. They've survived the catcher turmoil and they survived already a big injury to a hitter in losing Tay Oscar. Um, and they also had one of the five guys in the rotation completely drop out and and you are bringing in Stripling without really being that worried about it. It's not a long-term thing, but it's not so much that it's insurmountable. So I'm seeing a lot of positive things and, um, you know, just, just very, very much 
the sort of stuff that doesn't feel like an aberration. There are obviously some contributors mm. that you're not counting on long term. But for all the guys that are contributing that you're not counting on, there are equal amounts of guys that you do count on that aren't there and they're finding a way. They're doing it without Teoscar. They're doing it basically without Bo. Uh, Kevin is not going to be on the roster, sorry to say. Uh, even Gurriel, who I think in the last week has started to get rewarded for what I thought was some really good at-bats to start the year and, and only hitting about a buck fifty. He had a really good week where I think he picked up multi-hit games in, in most of the week. And I think he's somebody that is sort of the bellwether for how the lineup is uh, performing. His ability to add to the lineup and lengthen it makes you a really, really, really big threat. And then now we're talking about, I've named five, six, seven guys, and we haven't got to Matt Chapman, who it's like anything you get from him with the bat is such a plus because of how good he's been defensively. I think you're in a really good position. And and and, and 16 games in, obviously not very many games in, but to your point, um, they don't seem to have any warts that you can't address pretty easily, pretty quickly, and probably pretty cheaply. And there are some things such as how good the bullpen has been and how nice it is to watch Jimmy and how nice it is to watch Mesa and how nice it's been to watch Simber and how unbelievable Romano has been. Uh, there's a lot of things to like and and not very many situations right now where you go into it super scared. I don't know I don't know who they're who they're gonna play that you're like, oof, gonna be a tough one tonight other than the Dodgers like that's that that's what yeah. Vegas tells you but like they've already they've already played the Yankees they've already played the Red Sox and they're going to play Tampa I guess but you're, you're looking at the lineups and you're going yeah they're going to have a shot tonight basically no matter what yeah and I, I'm glad you mentioned Bichette because I think he's kind of a good illustration of what I was kind of saying before like <clears throat> I don't think there's anybody in their right mind who thinks that Bo Bichette is going to have as bad a year at the plate as he's currently having like and no if ands or buts about it he's been bad at the plate uh but it's april and no one's concerned it's just kind of he's got to hit through it happens to guys all the time and i think that he's sort of an indication of what makes me feel so positive about this team where he's not going and he's been actively bad at the plate and if you want to quibble with Who's hitting where in the lineup? Like, fine. <laughs> it, I, I don't really care, but I understand why people want to have that discussion, and that's fine. But I think what Bo is a good metaphor for why I have such high hopes, because this is a team that hasn't lost a series yet and is playing good to great baseball. And like you said, you look at the lineups of other teams and there's nobody you're like, oh, I don't know, except maybe the Dodgers. And one of their three best players isn't playing well. And one of their best players is hurt. And, you know, the fifth starter hasn't been great. And the third starter is out. And they're still, and they still haven't lost a series. And I just keep thinking about what does this team look like when sort of fully unleashed so to speak, when everyone's healthy and everyone's playing to the levels that we know they can play at. And I'm not going to suggest that they're suddenly like this unstoppable juggernaut, but also they might be. Yeah. I, th I think what we saw opening night is kind of what I envision for this team, when everyone is healthy and, you know, the effects of the short spring have sort of worn off and everyone is 
pardon the pun, in the swing of things. I feel like those nights where they're down 7 nothing in the third and you're sitting there being like, that's probably fine. Like, they're... Yeah. I, th- I think we underrate the comfort of them just being an extremely good baseball team. We talked at the end of last year about about changing our expectations from, you know, just be a good team in September and be in the mix to what do the Rays always do and what do the Dodgers always do and what do those great teams do? And the answer truly to me is is they do what they're doing right now is they they win more often than they lose. They they gut out series wins when they're not playing well. And I I think to sort of sum up what you're going to say or you just said there is like I fully expect there to be a month this year where they go like 23 and six. Like I yeah. just sort of it's going to happen. I think sometime this summer they're going to they're going to catch heat for three weeks and they're going to they're going to rattle off. They'll they'll rattle off nine or ten wins and then they'll lose one and rattle off six or seven more. I really do think there's a 15 and one stretch coming a, a, a 20 and two stretch. Uh, I really do think that's coming and, and what you do. And we saw last year, right? The September they had allowed them to be a 90 win team, a 91 win team, even after sort of middling around for a little bit. And we saw it in 2015, knock on wood. Um, if you are able to avoid the first half of that, where you sort of sputter around 500 until till June, that's how you make that leap to hundred wins. You, you have that giant month and you don't have the middling part where you're sort of are climbing out of a hole. You sort of you're, you're starting from a great place and then you go on a run. And that's those years where you look up and you go, damn, Tampa's got a nine game lead in the division in, Ju- in July. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my goodness, like it happens all the time. And I think they're positioned to be that team. They're positioned as, when, when everyone is fully healthy and Bo heats up and Teoscar comes back and we have a three-week span where Vladdy hits a dozen home runs and you can't pitch to anybody and, and, and they're all over the news. Uh, I I am happier than ever that I picked them to be about an 100-win team because I, I really do think this is what sets those teams apart. The not You want to call it slump-proof, but similar to, I think, uh, Alec Manoa as a as sort of a, a, a personification of this is like this week Manoa's start he wasn't particularly great he didn't seem to really have it but he still went out and he gave you six strong and pitched well enough to put the team in a position to win and that's the sort of thing that they're getting as they're getting the like not everyone is firing on all cylinders. the pitching hasn't been great sort of the Kikuchi starts where like he's getting hit or he's walking guys and but somehow he's only given up two runs and they and they win four two or five two um those are the things those games not getting out of hand the bullpen being deep enough that you're not like oh great Jeremy Beasley's in it's about to go from five one to nine one and I can turn it off like they don't have any of those warts it's uh it's really nice and, and there's but the best thing is sort of we allude back to it is there's room for improvement there's room on the bench to upgrade there's room for guys in the lineup to get better Guriel to heat up for Bichette to heat up for Vladdy to heat up for Chapman to heat up um boy it's exciting Jan- for Jano to be back for Springer to play a whole season um I'm excited and happy and and think it, it's easy to see a lot a lot a lot of wins coming yeah and I think what's nice about sort of the vibe we have from this team right now and kind of what we're getting at in this conversation is last season like you said we spent oh till august kind of being like the run is coming 
that 15 and one stretch is coming and we knew it was and we knew they were going to get hot but this year like i i do agree with you that they're going to have one of those stretches cuz they're kind of too good not to but it's also almost like they don't need it you know what yes. i mean like if they just keep at this pace they're a 100 win team right and so the n- nice thing about that is like we don't have to sit here and kind of be like, when is that run coming? Because if it comes, like you say, all of a sudden they're nine games up. And if it doesn't, they probably win the division anyway. Barring, I don't know, an unprecedented 200-win teams in the division. I guess a Giants-Dodgers scenario last season. But, like, it's it's just nice that we don't have to be sort of like, relying on those streaks this year it feels hopefully <laughs> absolutely um okay well, we'll we'll cover some of the not down but there is there is some stuff uh it seems Concerns, like Cavabigio, let's call it seems like it seems like Kevin is not gonna happen um and I reserve the right to be you know added yeah. when he finally hits a home run but not hitting for extra base power uh, now seems to be placed in the COVID IL which is not great um we are uh, we we got a question basically every week on this show for the last six weeks about Kevin Biggio. I, I I did my best to sort of be a positive version of it and say I think he can find a place on a major league roster. But I would also say that guys like this uh, do flame out of the league all the time. Uh, <laughs> that being said, <laughs> you know the the twenty sixth man on some of the other rosters in these leagues, some of the teams they've played, you're like that guy's on a roster, so. Um, I would also advise that, but it has not been a very good start for him as he has watched Santiago Espinal immediately jump forward and, and make great defensive plays and hit the ball really hard. And he is not really hitting for extra bases. That um, doesn't have a position. I think he's probably the, probably the backup second baseman, fourth right fielder, backup first baseman is probably your official um, placing of him in the lineup. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that is back in Buffalo and they are on the shopping list for continue to find another bench bat that they can plug in places. Yeah. um, Kevin Bijou has one hit this year. He's Bradley Zimmer level. Yeah. Um, He is a negative 18 OPS plus. If you're, if you're curious, Um, I kind of feel bad for Kevin in a way. Like he's, I don't think he's, you know, I obviously caveating this with the fact that he's a major league baseball player. I don't think he's good enough to be the guy who can plug and play. Mm, I yeah. think he, I think he's a guy who needs to get into his rhythms because he has proven when playing at least semi regularly to be at least competent. You know, he's never been a light the world on fire guy, but you know, he's had 2019-2020, he Played pretty, he played 100 games in 2019. He played 59 in the fake season and he put up respectable numbers. Even last year, he played 79 games and like he certainly wasn't good, but he wasn't what he is currently. And I feel like now, because Espinal has unquestionably played his way into the starting spot, like to suggest anything else would be ludicrous the way Espinal is playing. And I'm willing to put my cards down and say that Espinal just might be a guy. Mm-hmm. And 
it's rough. I think it's rough for Kevin because those opportunities to sort of get your reps in and get your swings in, like we've seen it from untold number of guys who just need the reps to produce. And I don't know where Kevin fits in on this team to get those reps. Even if you want to make the argument that, okay, well then he is a corner outfielder. Well then Teoscar's back in a week and a half. And then, you know, you can quibble about whether or not he takes Bradley Zimmer's place or not. But like, either way, you're looking at your fifth outfielder. Yeah, and and you would say at least Zimmer, if neither of them are going to hit, at least at least you know Zimmer is a great center fielder. Exactly. And so I just don't, I don't want to get on like a. There's no trade value, so I, it's hard to be like, well, just trade him for something. Yeah. But. It's also like, I don't know where he fits on this team now. Yeah. Maybe somebody that goes, that is like, you need a, you need a, a decent reliever at the end of the year. That's sort of. Exactly. Yeah. I can see that for sure. And, and or, uh, yeah. or packaged in when they finally treat Kirk kind of thing. And that but, being said, that being said, uh, it's not like, it's not like they're running, like they, they have pretty quickly been like, okay, he's not, he's not going to be an everyday guy. Like I'm talking about, yeah. talking about nine starts and he was pulled in replace for somebody else in six of them. So it's not exactly, <laughs> yeah. it's, not ex- it's not exactly uh, all that important that he is um, there or not. I don't, I don't think that he's, you know, as we've already seen with the results and we've seen uh, with last year as well, like he is not the make or break of this lineup. He, he can, he can not be involved and it doesn't lower their ceiling much, nor does it, um, nor does it raise it all that much. I don't think either as sort of, if you're, guy who has no position who who is the backup of the backup all over the place uh isn't hitting well it's not really a big deal but he was somebody of course you the 2020 to 2019 um did look like they had a place and and looked like they were going to be part of the young core and i think that is obviously at the middle of why some people are are either either having trouble letting go or uh maybe harping on it more than it needs to be harped on as i say after we capture off uh five minutes of discussion uh, yeah about i think it. that's fair We've also got some other things. Um, the Alejandro Kirk puzzle is is one that is something really <laughs> to figure out. Now, all of a sudden, apparently, he's a 91st percentile framer and catches the low strike better than anybody. But now the the hit tool has been a little bit... He, he, he basically never swings and misses. Uh, he has a bit of the Tapia thing going this year where like he's making so much contact that it's almost working against him versus being a little guy who just hit for power. Um, Collins, on the other hand, uh, not doing very well with the low strike, but hitting timely home runs. Um, catcher is one of those things. We're talking again. We're talking about catcher, and we're talking about uh, platoon backup right fielder, backup second baseman, backup first baseman. Like we're t- we're talking about the t- the twenty fifth and twenty sixth man, the twelfth and thirteenth guys on the bench offensively. It's there if you're going to have problems. Uh, these are easy ones to have. Of course, the, the thing about the catcher one is, of course, you have Moreno, who you're awaiting, uh, who's getting pulled from games in the fifth inning and people are <laughs> bated breath. Um, you know, we talked last week, I think you maybe floated the idea of Gabriel Moreno around. And I wanted to say this then, and I didn't think of it until later, is like where they are right now is sort of ideal for Moreno in that mm. Collins has been fine and uh, Kirk has been fine and Jansen coming back. If Jansen comes back, anything close to how he was at the beginning of the year, you sort of like what I want to bring Moreno into is everything is already going great. And now we're adding him versus like, ooh, we're on a skid. We need we need a rookie to come up and save us. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I think 
I am not particularly concerned uh, that that's not the case, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I always worry about a situation where like the team drops a few games and people are like, oh man, call up Moreno. It's like, I actually want the exact opposite to be happening. For them to be absolutely, like like the Rays always do, right? The Rays are already running away with the division and then they call up Wander Franco. And you're like, well, what the, like, <laughs> fuck you guys. That, that sort of, how I sort of brain this is like, you would love for them to already be clicking, for them to be as they are at this at this pace where it's like, yeah, they're about as good as we thought, and then they're then they're calling up Moreno and they're adding Pearson. You're like, whoa, that's yeah, that's and where you get into Rays Dodgers territory to me. That's what the Dodgers always do. This all of a sudden, oh, they have they have Trevor May. Oh, or pardon me, they have Dustin May. Oh, oh, they have they call a Bellinger in the middle of the year. Oh, all of a sudden they have uh, uh, Max Muncie suddenly comes off the bench for that. It's like, it, that is sort of, I think, the level that we're talking about. And, that, and it continues to be why I'm so excited about the team, Jake. How cool that is to be like, versus 20, the, the years before where you're like, they got to call up Vlad because there's nothing else going on. To be like, they're running away with the division and the only problem is... Uh, 25% of the catcher at bats aren't as good as they could be. Let's call it the best catcher in, in <laughs> minors. Like that's awesome. Or as you mentioned, like the the fifth, the, the third slash fifth starter is either hurt or not as great as we can be. Oh, let's call up the, the best pitching prospect we have. I think that's where you really get into like, oh my God, that plus a deadline ad. Now we're talking hooting and hollering fall over in your chair type stuff. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I've said this many, many times in the last few weeks. I think Gabriel Moreno comes up when they trade Kirk. I just, I think it's going to happen. He, I just, I don't know, I thought it was happening the other day when <laughs> Moreno got pinch hit uh, in the fifth. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I, we'll get into you know who's getting traded for what speculation closer to when it's relevant. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think. Wander Franco is a great comparison because we all thought it last year when, you know, suddenly the Jays are putting it together and now the Rays are calling up the best prospect in baseball. Right. And it's like, well, fuck. Yes. Uh, but now we get to be that, to your point. Boy, they're, in a, they're in a good spot. Holy And cow. yeah, I think, I don't know. I'm trying to keep my expectations of Moreno in check. Yes, I would be, advise that as well. Because not only is he very young and obviously a rookie, but he's also a catcher. And like, you know, the numbers Danny Jansen was putting up before he got hurt is kind of best case scenario for a catcher. Mm -hmm. And so I think people should keep that in mind with Moreno. Like, I, I hope people aren't, we're not expecting Vlad. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to look uh, at like JT Real, Real Muto, who is like yeah. widely considered one of the best catchers in the league. And you look at his numbers, you're like, oh, it's a, he's a very good player. Yeah, he, exactly. He's, it's not Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or like Red Hot Bo Bichette, but you know, if he's able to contribute and you basically have no weak links at catcher, whew, good, good it's gracious. It's, it's and especially adding that bench bat, we're talking about the potential for that. Um, but yeah, I think that the the fact that this is what we're talking about as like the I don't want to say the fix it because it's not really broken. But the fact we're talking about it as the the addition, I guess, is fantastic. Pretty cool. Pretty cool spot. Uh, I'm going to put a pin in it there because things have been so good. I feel good mood. Probably a good time to move along to the mailbag and see what the folks have in store for us in the voicemail line and the Twitter questions.
Jake, as always, the mailbag bursting this week with some great questions. We have some voicemails. We have some mailbag questions. If you want to hear the answers to every single question, maybe you put one in and didn't get answered on the main show. Well, all these answers are on the Patreon feed on the five and nine dollar tiers. Five dollars, basically a buck a show each month gets you the extended episodes where we answer all the questions, play all the mailbags and you get an extra 10 ish minutes off the top of me and Jake talking about our lives. I talked about um barbecue this week uh that extra and that extra part <laughs> uh all that and more patreon.com slash less than jays and the extra shows you get the nine dollar tier you get uh some extra content every week that we have a ton of fun producing and recording all of that patreon.com slash less than jays jake let's start with a voicemail this week our old friend the sweaty guy is back at it hey there sweaty guy you had to talk off the ledge about the rotation a couple of times already uh if i finish one of your podcasts with a simple scream into the wilderness. Uh, I really listened right to the end. I was really happy you put that one in because I thought it might be the bar for uh, a voicemail that didn't get played. Uh, happy to know I still have depths to plumb. I just wanted to say, Zoobs, congratulations on being a new father. As a father myself, I want to just let you know that uh, it made me laugh really hard when you were thinking about listening. The first time you listened to a game with your new son and uh, you couldn't remember what day it was, I just want to let you know you're never going to remember that again. You're never going to remember what day Raymond Tapia went to for two. You're just not. You uh, think that it's because you're so tired right now, and it is. That is what's happening. But uh, I just want to let you know it's permanent dad brain damage, and uh, it's never going to get better, but uh, it also doesn't matter. Um, so my question today, guys, uh, we'll stick with the rotation. I mean, Manoa, great, excellent. Barrios, solid. He's pitching tonight. Hopefully uh, things go well there. Uh, Gaussman, whew, oh baby, looking good there. And then Kikuchi, right? You, you got to figure it out. So, um, I think you know uh, the sweaty guy is a little less sweaty, and uh, I've been uh, you know, toweled down, and I appreciate that. Who do you think in the house, if Hyunjin Ryu's uh, struggles are, um, you know, more permanent, more uh, more long term than what we would hope? Uh, who do you think in house can fill that role, or? Do you see them going outside the organization to target someone? Uh, all right. Thanks. Congrats again. Jake, feel better. Uh, and uh, see you guys in hell. Bye. Um, both is my answer. Yeah. I think I think there will be an in-house option for now. Uh, but I am very convinced whether or not Ryu is good. Uh, Ryu agnostic. <laughs> I think it's highly likely they go shopping uh, in midseason for a new starter, another starter. Basically, no contending team uh, has ever gone into the deadline and been like, we have too much pitching. We need to not add pitching. <laughs> yeah. This is sort of one of those things is the, the pitching ad is always something, always sort of, you can always upgrade the pitching. You can always get a better bullpen. Um, you could always have a deeper bench. And so, I think we also, I yeah. think we also know the model for how this front office approaches the deadline. I think right. we saw it pretty clearly last year. I think, you know, I'm not saying they're going to go out and get another Barrios who they're going to give $170 million to. No, but the year but, before they went and got Ray and they went and exactly, got Taiwan Walker. So Exactly. Yeah. I think that, I think for a, for contending teams in Major League Baseball in 2022, when it comes to trade deadline talk, you can basically pencil in one or two bullpen guys just yes. off the bat. And I think if the Jays are in a situation, you know, they're they're just in the contender, World Series contender situation. If that fifth starter spot or third starter spot or whichever spot isn't where they need it to be, they're going to go and get the guy to fill the spot. For sure. 
For sure. And to your point, the easiest piece of deadline fodder to write is uh, team leading division looks to add pitching depth. It's just sort of like it, it, yeah. whoever the best pitcher is at, at available, depending on how these teams line out, you can expect them to be to be rumored to go to the Jays, the the Red Sox, uh, the, probably the White Sox or, or whoever is leading the West. It's sort of exactly how it works if you want to follow the um the Astros model or something close is they, they went out and got Jimmy Garcia last year and sort of that sort of thing is they're probably going to want to show up the bullpen they're probably going to want to show up the pitching but I will say and maybe it's the optimism in the water this week um, I think this is about as good a situation as you can ask Nate Pearson to step into if he's ever if it's ever mm. going to happen if it's ever going to be like Nate Pearson is the guy we want him to be I think him coming in and being like listen man you're it's it's fifth starter all you have to do is be better than Ross Stripling. Like you don't, we don't need you to come in here and do what Manoa's done, and 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 be a guy that shows up day one, 100% ready to go, and is a, a a staple in our like are happy to be our number two, happy to be a guy that we put into a playoff game. You don't have to do that. You have to come in here and be better than Stripling for a month. Um, that's about as low expectation as you're going to get for him. I know they're going to want him to be in a bulky role, but I would be I'd be willing to say like that bulky role is starts off with you starting a game. You you can be the opener. You can be I will say, I'm going to say the Rays a record amount of times this week, but this sort of is, is you think about again, like how would the Rays, how would the Dodgers handle this? I think they would I think they would give Pearson the opportunity if it's going to be a bulk role to be an opener in a bulk role say we need you to go three innings out of the start of this game go through the lineup once and and see if you can rack up eight k's and then then you can sit down i i think um they're going to give that every opportunity as they possibly can to work i i do think pearson is going to get a shot to be the internal uh solution and if he's not uh, you could do a lot worse than ross stripling as your as your number six guy but uh yeah if there's any concerns at all i think any concerns at all about ryu they're not going to hesitate to go out and, and troll that market and see what they can get from, from one of those teams. I, I fully expect them to be, at the very least, uh, heavily involved in trade rumors come June, July. I, th- I think that's going to be a no-doubter, and I do expect a very good bullpen arm, too, coming. I, I, I think maybe another lefty, depending on what we see from Rucky, or or maybe they want to ro- load up and, and get another high strikeout guy to sort of counter... Um, we're just going to be talking about who they can steal from other teams all year. It's great. Awesome. It's the best place I, I, to be. It rules. <laughs> uh, we go to the Twitter mailbag. Chris Lund asks, which current Blue Jay will Zoobs use to indoctrinate his child on the merits of playing the right way? I thought about this basically all afternoon and arrived at the proper answer. I'll let you sort of think about if the answer, say it was say it was you, which, which current Jay would you point to to show a, a youngster how it's done? Capital H, capital I, capital D. I mean, I think there's two ways you can go about this. I think there are two possible answers as well, but let's hear yours. My first answer is if you just wanted to show a youngster how to quote unquote play the right way, then I would just show them George Springer. That was my answer as well. It's George Springer. However, if you want to get a young person interested in baseball, aside from the sort of fundamentals, so to speak, of Springer, the answer is Teoscar Hernandez. Ooh, two, yeah, very nice. He, because he, I think, and I think you could even extend Lourdes into this. Just like they're just fun guys. Yeah, they're fun to watch on the bench, and uh, I think Teoscar does. You know, Teoscar has all the things that a young, budding baseball fan wants. He can hit the ball very far. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays in the outfield. And he's smiling all the time. Yeah. 
boy, I think I can't believe how not that long ago how bad the outfield was and how unbelievably good the outfield is now. It's truly insane. Uh, yeah, Even, I, I was laughing yesterday in yesterday's game how Guriel Guriel the play, and it immediately just threw a rocket to go yeah. like third. Um, I, I think it's Springer sort of. For sort of to piggyback onto the things that you said there, um, I think he's somebody that even even as a, a veteran, a guy that's been around for a long time, he plays with real joy. He he really seems to love the youngsters on the team. He seems to love playing baseball. He plays a premium position and plays it very well. Uh, he hits for power. He hits for contact. He also draws his walks. He's not doesn't chase a ton. Um, he you know celebrates his teammates very loudly. He's he's somebody that. Um, you know, you always see him celebrating for other people. Uh, you see him playing hard, running hard, um, taking extra bases, playing center field very well, leading off. Um, you could play him. You could put him anywhere in the lineup you wanted to. I think he would do it well. Uh, and he's just sort of a, a really huge piece of the puzzle and is was really the definitive guy for them making the statement that they were a serious team. The other one for me is Alec Manoa. In in that, if you just carry yourself with that unflappable determination, you will sometimes you will get results regardless of whether or not you have what it takes that day. I think that's an important part of of baseball. Of, of like, he's not perfect. He doesn't blow everybody away. He he draws. He he walks guys and he 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 hits guys. But you never you look at him and you never see it. He always looks like he is dominating the game. When you talk about his demeanor and the way that he handles himself, I think that is uh, something that that stands out, especially uh, with how the rest of the team is. I think I think there's a there's a he still has fun and he still laughs it up, but he's also very serious about his craft and believes in himself, and it and it comes out in the way that he pitches. Yeah, I think Mano is a great pick. I think if I was knowing how I was as a baseball fan when I was young, uh, I would have loved Alec Manoa. Hard for me to want to raise a pitcher, though. It's just yeah. Some, oh, yeah, they're all great. It. They're all insane. Just something about it that I don't like. Uh, Andrew Robertson, pick a daily task you'd like Teoscar Hernandez to celebrate by showering you with sunflower seed. I'm just getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> it is that sad, isn't it? Just like, um, just like I want, I want to, you know, I we our new our new place is a main floor in a basement, and our bedrooms in the basement. Just want like when I come to the top of the stairs uh, to start my work day, just have someone smiling and showering me with sunflower seeds. It'd be really nice. You would like it to end the work day. It'd be nice. Oh, You're that's already... good. Yeah, it's a good one too. I was thinking of taking the dog out, but ending the work day would be a nice one. Um, James Nielsen, who are your all-time unrealized potential Blue Jays? Guys that seemed like they would be great but never put together. I mean, uh, avoiding the obvious, the, the torch that I carry with me all, at all times for Travis Snyder. I, I assume he doesn't count because he's sort of like implied that he's the guy for me. Yeah. Because they told us he was going to hit 45 home runs <laughs> and win MVP. That was what the scouting report said was like 45 home run MVP caliber guy. And you're like, oh. And he destroys the minor leagues at every stop. And you're like, oh my God, he, he, he's in the major leagues at 20. And you're like, basically basically the, the picture they painted was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. from the left side. It was basically what they told us it was going to be. Um, so for me, he's number one. But you can look at the, we, there's a lot of pitchers that for for this. There's a lot of Dustin McGowan's. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, Brandon I don't Morrow. Know if, I don't know if this counts. Ricky Romero. I don't know if this counts really as unrealized potential. Brett Laurie. Uh, but uh, Josh Johnson. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that he was like the expectation was he was going to be like 
the guy. And then he just fell apart. His career, like his career fell apart. It wasn't just in Toronto, but it was. Yeah. And I know he had obviously been pitching beforehand, so I don't know if it really counts in the unrealized potential question as it's being asked currently. But uh, yeah, Josh Johnson was a, was a big one. Um, I mean, there's lots of, there's so many answers. I would say maybe maybe my all-time one. And a guy that ended up having, I mean, he honestly did have a pretty good career and played for 11 years, so maybe it's unfair. But I always thought really highly of Alex Rios. That's a, uh, yes, that's kind of where I expected, I thought you were going with that. The 25, 26 years, <clears throat> you know, he's 25, 26 years old, and he's, he's um, getting on base at a 350 clip and hitting 20 home runs and, and stealing 15 to 20 bases and, and playing a really good right field. He was somebody that I expected to continue to have that like 850 OPS. And he listen, he bounces back in 2012 at age 31 with the White Sox, and he had um, a decent bounce uh, in 2010 as well. But I really thought he was going to be a guy that we look at as as you know he was an All Star in in his basically his his third and fourth years. He was an All Star. I thought that was going to be a thing where he was going to be an All Star basically through age like 32. I thought he was going to spend five, six years mm. as like a perennial best right fielder in baseball sort of thing. I expected that to be a continuation and, and in just sort of just sort of the strikeouts and the the really bad year he had in 2009 was something he couldn't put behind him and the, the that really weird vibe that the team had in the mid-aughts where like people seemed to really just get mad at the team when they would win. They'd win 86, 87 games and people would people be so mad at, at those Blue Jays teams because the way the division shook out. I think a lot of guys from that era, um, you know, other than the ones that were beloved, sort of look back at the time in Toronto and they, there's sort of a negative rap to how things end. I think about Vernon Wells as an example of that and uh, Overbay or basically anybody who played in those eras. You look at it and they go, man, they crowd here was really weirdly hard on that on those Blue Jays teams uh, I, think yeah. Wells, I think Wells and Rios are a real recipient of that it, you know Adam Lynn's another version of that is like the guys other than Halliday basically nobody survived that era without without leaving on bad terms the, the Raptors went through that too right it was like for something about this city in the mid aughts like if you left this if you left this city you left on bad terms and I think that's um, part of what played into be why so many guys would would come out and they would have good starts to their career and become beloved and then immediately get turned on. Uh, that was a that was a tough trait of this city in the mid aughts. Yeah, uh, another guy I think in sort of I guess a little later than that, and a guy who I think um, I would say almost unfairly due to sort of how everything came about, uh, but a guy who had a ton of expectation on him. At least I felt, uh, and absolutely never put together. Um, but I feel bad for it just because of how his expectations uh, were thrust upon him was Kyle Drabeck. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's, I was going to say Drabeck or... No, I was going to say Drabeck because of, of the, the familial thing and the trade for Halliday. I think trade for Halliday. Like, like you, ha you had to assume hard. that the pitcher you got for Roy Halliday was going to be an ace prospect. Yeah. And, and the name. He had the name, name value. That's yeah. a good one. That's a good one. Uh, last one comes from our friend Sean Woodley. In general, what's the coolest type of untouchable strikeout pitch to watch? Are you a big dick 12 to 12, 6 curve splitter? And what is your favorite Blue Jays strikeout pitch of all time? My pick is probably Estrada's changeup, but it's a rich category. Mm -hmm. uh, I love a slider. Yeah, I love the, like, the, holiday, so good. the holiday slider is, is my favorite. Alec Manoa has a ridiculous slider. That's he like does. super crazy fun. I know, um, although I have to say, Kevin Gosman's splitter 
watching that the other day was the fact we I was looking at his baseball savant page and the fact that his that he basically just throws two pitches, but they have the exact same release point. It's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, and uh, and boy, that thing gets flailed at an awful lot. Favorite I'm strikeout pitch of all wrong. time. I'm, I'm so happy to be wrong about Kevin Gosman, by the way. Favorite, favorite Blue Jays strikeout pitch. Uh, Estrada changeup is a, is a definitely a good one because you sort of was was impossible to touch. I always liked the AJ Burnett curveball. Was always like was so perfectly uh, hidden within the rest of how nasty his stuff was. I thought it was always good. Um, I'm, but I'm also a sucker. Listen, I'm a sucker for just rear back and throw that shit. That's what I like about I like about uh, Romano. Sometimes it's like, I'm just going to throw 99 on the black, and that'll be <laughs> your problem to deal with it. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of good picks. There are a lot of the Howard A. Cutter is obviously iconic. Um, I, I I am up there with the with the with the Gosman splitter. I agree with you. Pretty pretty decent. Definitely my favorite one right now. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I think the what what, what was uh, Halliday's? Um, I, I, yeah, I guess it was his cutter. Just that, like, just drop it in there, at, like seventy eight after throwing ninety three all day. Uh, his cutter was. Fucking ridiculous. The good old doctor. Uh, excellent mailbag, excellent voicemails. We have nothing left to do but to give you one last take on Take This to Your Grave. closing time we are bringing out the jordan romano of segments it is time to close things off with a take this to your grave jake with all that's happened is all is to come what do you have for us this week and a take this to your grave i don't like my take this to your grave okay uh but i i believe it uh this time next month so May 25th, uh, Zach Collins will not be on the Major League roster. Wow. Cuts are coming, and Jansen will come back, and I just don't see them carrying three catchers long term. I was almost going to do my take this to your grave is that he will be on the, he will be Interesting. A, a longer term piece. I mean, look, if he can keep hitting and earn that bench bat spot, great. But, and I know pickings are slim. But, you know, we were just talking earlier about, you know, catchers aren't really the hitter. Like, if your main bench bat's a catcher, I don't know, sir. But he can hit. He can actually hit. He can. He can hit. And he certainly cannot catch. (laughs) Yeah. But, but yeah, I don't know. I just don't, I don't see, I think, I think it's great that he's hot right now. And uh, I will be happy to be wrong on this, just as I was wrong on Kevin Gosman. And I, I will be thrilled to be wrong on this. But he just he he just feels like a guy who's gonna have a great April, and then sort of go back to what we think he is. Uh, my, I hope you're wrong. I hope yeah. you're wrong. 
My take this to your grave this week, uh, and it's a little bit, well, we talked about it a little bit, and, and the COVID IL is not going to help this. I think Kevin Biggio is going to spend the majority of this season not playing for the Toronto Blue Jays, whether it be AAA Buffalo or shipped out in a small deal for a reliever. I don't think he is um, claimed to any sort of roster spot, and I don't think the flexibility is going to help him play over even Ghost Kekato, who, who can also play everywhere mm. and is also a little more traditional in the mold of a guy who plays a little bit all over the place and sort of contact slappy guy doesn't really need to be a, a threat in any way. I just think BGO, it's going to be an extended period of him trying to get down there and work it out. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm not sure how long the leash is or what it means or whether they're going to want to put him down there to shield him a little bit from some overexposure. Um, I think he's somebody that is is sent down and then and then shopped for uh, relief help or something minimal. I, I don't know that he has um, a mid to long term space on a team that is aspirations of playing, you know, well over uh, into October. I don't. I don't think he's a part of this picture, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's fast becoming clear. Two cuts. Two cuts in our in our in our picks there. Oh boy. Oh, actually, Jake, I have a I have an extra mailbag question for us. Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the roster crunch is coming. There, there are two less roster spots coming up May 2nd. Who are your, who are your two players that aren't making the roster there? Uh, Tyler Hanneman, I think is the easy one. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I think, I think it's, I think it's probably, it's probably Heinemann and, 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 uh, BGL probably, frankly. Yeah. I think, I think that's the two right now. For Unless sure. you need to, I guess maybe you need, maybe you need to drop pitchers. I would say you probably lose Taylor Sacedo. I think that's, yeah. I think, I think Sacedo got switched out for I think K. Despite my protestations, I think Mr. Trent Thornton has pitched his way onto the roster. Yeah, for now. I would agree with that. Um, so I think it's probably Sacedo and uh, Cotto or Biggio who go down. I, I I suspect Biggio. I think Cotto's kind of he's offering more right now, just straight up. Which is not saying is. a lot. Yeah. No. Okay, Jake, that closes it out for another week. Uh, thank you, everybody, for being a part of the show. As always, appreciate the voicemails and the messages and all that sort of stuff and the kind words about my about my newborn son. Pretty cool. He appreciates and I appreciate it. Um, that is all. If you want more of the show, Less Than Jays is on Patreon, patreon.com slash less than Jays. Check us out there for extra shows, extra content, extended episodes. This one's coming in at about a buck 20 plus. So that's going to be tons of fun for you if you love the show. That's going to be extra show for you patreon.com slash less than jays we'll talk to you later on this week have a good one hey there I swear to god coming back uh, i just have to say I, re- I i need to add the caveat i recognize my question about ryu is insane at this early juncture in the season but as a dad's brain uh operates outside of space and time at all times because you're constantly just wondering is my kid alive is my kid alive is my kid alive is my kid alive is my kid happy is my kid alive is my kid alive is my kid alive uh, so just a speculative question. I don't actually think they need to replace Ryu, uh, but I felt I needed to add that. Thanks. Bye.